Hello, welcome back to Wrestling Highlights of the Week, presented by My Two Cents Podcast, hosted by G2. I am G2. I am here to bring you Wrestling Highlights of the Week for Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW Dynamite, AEW Rampage, and Impact Wrestling. Now, without further ado, let's start the show. This is the final week. Yes, the legit final week as you're listening to this right now. Tonight is supposed to be Stand and Deliver and also the first day of WrestleMania. So this was their go-home shows for Raw, SmackDown, and NXT. So Raw, we will open up with Miz TV with special guests, the Women's Tag Team Champions, Becky Lynch, Lita, and Trish Stratus. Miz was trying to cause some dissension between all three of the ladies, asking Trish and Lita why they are playing backup to Becky Lynch here. Lita will say that she doesn't play backup. She is helping a friend out. Trish doesn't answer, but you can tell that she co-signs everything Lita will say. Then Damage Control will come down to the ring. And now you will have Becky and Bailey will just have words with each other. Proving the situation between both of the teams is all about Becky and Bailey. You have Becky, who has a problem with Bailey, basically kidnapping Io and Dakota not allow them to be themselves and not allow them to just be the people that they're supposed to be because Becky will go down and say that Dakota is a two-time former women's tag team champion. Now she's here playing backup to you. EO is one of the most dominant NXT women's champions and you have her like being backup to you. So Becky is trying to cross some scrutiny and damage control here and Bailey wouldn't be trying to hear that. So she would throw a couple shots back at Becky it will turn into EO going against Becky Lynch. Becky would win the match by pitfall by hitting the manhandle slam for the win. So this is still building into their match going into WrestleMania as well. Now, after this, we will have Seth Rollins going against Mustafa Ali. Seth would beat Ali by pitfall. He will use the curb stomp to win. After the match, Seth will get on the mic and talk about his upcoming match with Logan Paul. Seth will say that at WrestleMania, he is finally going to get his hands on Logan. And if he doesn't beat Logan Paul, then Logan isn't the joke. Seth is. Seth would recount all the times Logan Paul has screwed him in the past months. Talking about the Royal Rumble when he got threw over at the Elimination Chamber when he came in and curb stomped him. And also getting knocked out twice by Logan Paul. So Seth would finish off by saying that he will see Logan at WrestleMania. So we have that to look forward to at WrestleMania. And I'm telling you right now, out of all the matches that's up there, that's one of the matches I can't wait to see. Because when you heard the crowd just sing Seth's song, like before the match with Ali even started, that solidifies something to me. Either next year, Seth Rollins should be in the main event of WrestleMania, and he should be. But if he doesn't, that's going to be a big misstep for WWE. Because Seth has all the fanfare, literally, in WWE. He doesn't have the Cody type esque, but I believe he's probably like second of to Cody when you think of fanfare, when you think of songs being played. Everybody interacts with Seth Rollins songs. Everybody interacts with Cody songs. But when you look at the two, I'll damn near say that Seth probably got a bigger reaction than Cody when it comes down to the songs. But yeah, if they miss out on Seth main eventing or even headlining WrestleMania next year, I don't know what to say. I think Seth might probably might need to leave if they don't put him in the main event next year. I'm just going to call straight a spade a spade here. Now, off of my nerd stuff, after this, we will have the weigh-in of Omos and Brock Lesnar. Omos will get weighed in at 410 pounds. MVP will have some words for Brock Lesnar before he will come out. Brock would then come out, go after Omos, trying to take Omos down. Brock will grab the scale, 
looking to hit Omos with it, but Brock would eat a big boot to the face. Omos would then grab the scale, swing it at Brock. Brock would quickly leave the ring, and he just looks at Omos with some fear in his face. And again, this is Brock's first time actually going against someone actually like real bigger than him. When his rookie year, he went against Big Show, and Big Show was bigger than him, but Brock was able to actually outpower Big Show. But with this, with Omos' situation, Omos is bigger than Brock, and I don't think Brock's able to outpower him. We'll just have to see what happens at WrestleMania with this situation here. Now, after this, we have an eight-man tag, Street Profits, Ricochet, and Braun Strowman going against America Alpha and Viking Raiders. Montez Ford would get the win for his team when Braun would hit Eric with a power slam and then tag in Ricochet, and Ricochet would hit an assisted Swanton Bomb onto Eric, and then Montez would finish with a frog splash in the air. Now, when Montez hits the frog splash, as he's in the air, he literally has to jump over Braun Strowman, and he turns sideways in the air to land on Eric, and that frog splash looked it beautiful. I'm telling you right now, Montez Ford, he's up there with the Eddie Guerrero's and uh, RVD's with his high elevation with the frog splash. As a matter of fact, I might even say his frog splash is probably number two. I'll still give it to Robin Dam as number one. Uh, Eddie's number three, and there's no disrespect to Eddie. Eddie just literally leaped, and he did what he had to do for the frog splash. But when you look at all three of those guys, I'll say RVD's number one because he had the agility for the high jump, and then he made the frog splash look like it extra painful. And then after that, he always selled it real well. Montez Ford, same thing, leaping ability, high up in the air, but he just doesn't have the impact to smash it down the way the RVD does with his. So, again, RVD is number one, Montez is number two, Eddie number three of Frost Splashes. If you didn't see this Frost Splash, go and check it out on YouTube, I believe WWE's YouTube channel, if you want to see it. Now, the next matchup was Chelsea Green and Sonya Deville going against Candice LeRae and Mia Yim. Chelsea and Sonya would win the match by pinfall thanks to Chelsea distracting the referee, allowing Sonya to hit Mia in the face. And Chelsea would finish off with the I'm Prettier for the win. So Chelsea Green and Sonya Deville have been added to the Fatal 4-Way Tag Match at WrestleMania, so all four teams have been announced. It is Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler going against Natalya and Shotzi, going against Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez, going against Chelsea Green and Sonya Deville. Now, after this, we have Rey Mysterio going against Damian Priest with Dominic Mysterio in Damian's corner. Before Rey Mysterio would come out, Dominic would cut a promo, and the gist of the promo was that he couldn't believe that Rey Mysterio actually hit him on SmackDown, calling him a low-life, deadbeat dad. And he says that he actually wanted Eddie Guerrero to be his father, and he wished that Rey Mysterio never existed. And at WrestleMania, he's going to take the Mysterio name, because Rey Mysterio has made that name a disgrace. So Dominic's trying to bring some honor back to the Mysterio name here. So Rey will come down. He have his match with Damien. Rey would win the match by disqualification when he would hit Priest with the 619. They go to the top turnbuckle. Dom will get on the ring apron and pull Rey off. And this will make the referee call for the bell. Now, after the match, Dom will get in the ring and start pounding on his father. Damien Priest will hold Ray up, and Dominic will still continue doing more damage to him. Legato Death Fantasma one run down to the ring and make the save for Ray, making Damien Priest and Dom retreat out of the ring, and that's how we end here. Seeing Dominic basically going against all of Lucha culture is crazy to me, because you have never really seen that before a lot. Like, think about it. I don't remember a lot of... Mm, 
It probably happened in WCW. The only time I could think of it was like Eddie Guerrero when he was trying to like have all the LWO, like all the luchadors come together for the LWO, but Ray was with them for a minute, but then he uh, decided to not be with them. And then he saw all the luchadors under Eddie's control, like go after Ray. But that's the only other time. Other than that, you don't really ever see the Hispanic wrestlers going after the other Hispanic wrestlers for real. But it's a nice little twist that they have here with that. Again, all my nerd stuff. After this, we had Gunther with Imperium in this corner going against Dolph Ziggler. Gunther would win the match by pinfall, hitting Last Symphony for the win. Real quick, get in, get out match up here. Now we're off to the main event of Monday Night Raw. Cody Rhodes going against Sol Sokoa with Paul Heyman in his corner. Cody would win the match by pinfall by hitting the crossroads for the win. Now, towards the end of the match, you will get the shenanigans of the Usos coming out. They think they're going to do something, but Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn will come down there to make sure the Usos don't interfere by attacking them and uh, beating them up towards the backstage area to leave it back to Solo and Cody. Uh, Solo will try to hit the Samoa Spike, but Cody will reverse it, letting him hit Crossroads on Solo Sokoa for the win. So with Cody now having this win, he now goes off to SmackDown so we can actually have that last one-on-one confrontation with Roman Reigns. But I'll get to that when I talk about SmackDown. But with that, that is your Raw Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now we're off to NXT. First thing to note, Roxanne Perez is back. Um, Roxanne will be backstage. You will see her walk backstage. She would go to Shawn Michaels' office. She would tell Shawn the reason why she collapsed a couple of weeks ago was because she had anxiety and body exhaustion and she wanted to be added into the ladder match at Stand and Deliver to defend her NXT Women's Championship. Sean at first was cautious, but Roxanne pleaded with Sean. Sean would tell Roxanne to give him her medical reports and she will be added to the match. So she would. And now Roxanne is added to the ladder match at Stand and Deliver. But we still will get the last chance uh, triple threat match between Sol Ruka, Indy Harwell, and Ivy Nile to see who will be added into that match later in the night. And Indy Harwell would win the match by pinfall when Sol would hit Ivy with Soul Snatcher. Then Indy would big boot Sol Ruka out of the ring and to deliver a running forearm to the back of the head of Ivy Nile for the win. So now, as stand and deliver for the NXT Women's Championship, in a ladder match, it will be Zoe Starks, Indy Hartwell, Lyra Valkyria, Gigi Dolan, Tiffany Stratton, and the defending NXT Women's Champion Roxanne Perez for the NXT Women's Championship. Also on NXT, we would have the Battle Royal to see who's going to get the last spot in the NXT North American Championship matchup at Stand and Deliver. Axiom would win this Battle Royale by lastly eliminating Nathan Frazier after these two guys had a great back and forth strike off between each other. I mean, Nathan Frazier and Axiom were striking, and I mean, they were hitting each other just back and forth. You could tell that each guy wanted to win this battle royal so they can get that last spot in the Fatal 5-Way at Stand and Deliver for the North American Championship. So the way these two guys were going at it with each other, it was real, real impressive. So now the five men in the North American Championship match at Stand and Deliver are the champion Wesley, Ilya Dragunov, J.D. McDonough, Axiom, and Dragon Lee. Now, after this, we have Von Wagner with Mr. Stone in his corner, going against Tyler Bate with Andre Chase, Thea Hale, and Duke Hudson in his corner. Tyler Bate would win the match by pinfall using the spinning Oi, which is a spiral tap for the win. So this is giving Tyler Bate and Chase University some momentum going into their match against Schism at Stand and Deliver. 
Next matchup was Valentina Forez going against Electra Lopez. Electra would win the match by pinfall using Electric Shock, which is a sit-out, double-handed chokeslam for the win. Next matchup was the NXT debut of Eddie Thorpe, formerly known as Carl Fredericks in the Independence and in New Japan, going against Miles Bourne. Eddie would win the match by pinfall using a swinging neckbreaker for the win. You know what? This was not too much of an impressive match for Eddie Thorpe here. I think they just want to get Eddie uh, situated into NXT, let people see what he can do, let Eddie get used to being in the NXT ring. So I'm not going to hold too much of this on Eddie Thorpe here, but it wasn't as impressive as you would think a debut match should be. Now, the next match up was Hank Walker going against Drew Gulak with Charlie Dempsey in his corner. Drew would win the match by pinfall thanks to Charlie hitting Hank behind the head when the referee wasn't looking. It allowed Drew Gulak to use an inside cradle pin for the win. To be honest with you, in this match, Hank Walker, he has improved himself more and more. We haven't seen him much on NXT television, but when he at least shows up, you're starting to see he's improving every time he's in the ring and to see Hank going against Drew Gulak and almost beat Drew, it just solidifies that they're on the right path with Hank Walker. Yes, you still got a little bit more things to do, but Hank is creating strides in NXT. And I like that we're doing this teacher versus student deal with Hank Walker. And if we're anything else, Hank Walker going against Charlie Dempsey, I want to see that. I want to see him beat Charlie Dempsey because then that just will upset Charlie and more than likely we'll get, again, Hank Walker going against Drew Gulak, and this time it will be Hank beating Drew when that time comes about. Now, after this, we will have Tony D'Angelo and Stax going against Briggs and Jensen, and the condition for this match was, if Briggs and Jensen were to win this tag matchup, they will be added to the triple threat match at Stand and Deliver, making it a fatal four-way for the NXT Tag Team Championships, but that does not happen because Tony and Stax would win the match by pinfall, hitting a high elevated double backdrop on Jensen for the win. Now, after the match, Kiana James and Fallon Henley would get in the ring, and Fallon would say that Kiana has something to say to Jensen. Kiana would say that she would rather show him instead of saying it. Kiana would walk over to Jensen and kiss him, so now we're still creating some turbulence in the relationship of Kiana James, uh, Fallon, Briggs, and Jensen because Briggs and Fallon do not like that Kiana is hiding something away from Jensen and she is not saying it. So I see as standing the liver, that's probably going to be a major point and a major turning point for the story with all four of these individuals. But I'll wait and I'll give you more into that when I talk about standing the liver predictions. Now off to the main event segment, Grayson Waller will come down to the ring. Grayson will have bodyguards all around the ring to make sure Johnny Gargano does not come near the ring or even try to attack him because Grayson is here to get the contract from Vic Joseph so he can sign it so he can have his match against Johnny Gargano at Stand and Deliver in an unsanctioned match. Grayson would take the contract. Then he would get in the ring and talk about how this is now a full circle moment, mentioning his time when he entered NXT, trying to be loved by the fans. Didn't get the love that he wanted, so now he's off to just be the most outstanding guy out there in NXT, the one that sticks out. He mentions that for the past 15 months, he's been that guy, been the most talked about guy in NXT off the back of Johnny Gargano, what he did to him two nights after war games. So this is all full circle for them. 
saying that Johnny needs Grayson Waller so he can have his moment at stand and deliver. So Grayson will continue to talk, and then Johnny Gargano's music would hit. Grayson would look at the entrance, wait for Johnny Gargano, think he's going to enter there, but that doesn't happen. Instead, Johnny Gargano is disguised as the cameraman in the ring. And you will see Johnny take the disguise off. He would put the camera down. Grayson Waller would turn around, see Johnny, and those two would just start slugging it out. Those two would fight in the middle of the ring. The guards around the ring would get in the ring, separate the two guys. You see Johnny and Grayson attack the security and just go after each other. And that will spill to the outside of the ring. Again, those two continuously trying to get to one another, attack each other, security spreading them apart. And that's how NXT basically ends with Johnny and Grayson being restrained by security guards. I like that they ended it that way because it just shows how much animosity these two guys have for one another and that they want to get their hands on each other and they can't wait until stand and deliver. Now, with that being said, that is your NXT Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now we're moving over to AEW Dynamite. But before I talk about Dynamite, I do want to mention one thing. Last week's episode on Wrestling Highlights of the Week, I talked about CM Punk and his Instagram uh, story that he put out there. John Moxley went on his wife's podcast, Renee Paquette's podcast, and he had a nice uh, hour talk with his wife. They talked about multiple things, but, you know, he had to cover the CM Punk post, and he didn't really say much about it. The only thing Mox technically said about the post was that uh, he didn't really cover it, to be honest. He talked about things from his point of view, and he talked about how during the summer of 2022, last year, he didn't work with a contract in AEW, so basically he was a free agent. He talked about how he could have showed up at SummerSlam if he was inclined with the AEW World Championship because he technically was the interim champion during the summer. So he did Tony's con a solid without having a contract for AEW. He literally just worked there on his word, and that's the one thing you can get from Mox out of that whole interview with his wife, that whole conversation, that he's a man of his word and that he's a man that just wants to actually just relax and have fun. He wanted to get away from the negativity. So that's another thing you could take away from that whole interview with his wife. He wants AEW wrestlers and people just in the bag to stop being so uh, paper thin. You can stop going on social media and putting your personal business out there. Just go to work, do your business, and leave and call it a day. That's basically the big thing you could take out of that podcast episode that uh, Moxley did with his wife, Renee. Now off to Dynamite News. First thing to cover, next week on Dynamite, we will have two championship matches. The AEW Women's Championship will be defended. It will be Riho going against the champion, Jamie Hayter. And next week, FTR will be going against the Guns. And the condition, remember, is if FTR do not beat the Guns for the AEW World Tag Team Championships, then they are gone from AEW. Now, first match off to start off with AEW Dynamite was Jungle Boy Jack Perry going against Matt Hardy with Ethan Page in his corner. Jungle Boy would win the match by pinfall by delivering a running forearm to the back of the head of Matt Hardy when Ethan Page was already taken out of the picture thanks to Hook coming down to the ring. Now, once Jungle Boy does that, he pins Matt, he gets the win. MJF will come down to the ring. MJF would recall what Jungle Boy said to him a couple weeks ago about how their careers went in separate uh, paths after their match at Double or Nothing in 2020. MJF would agree that his path has been skyrocketing and going up, and that is all basically his doing, and that how Jungle Boy is his own worst enemy. 
how after their match at Double or Nothing 2020, he actually came to Jungle Boy backstage in the locker room, shook his hand, and gave him some advice, and he would ask Jungle Boy, do you remember what I told you? Jungle Boy would say, you told me something basically to look out for myself and that nice guys finish last. Jungle Boy would tell MJF that he is not like him and that he's glad that their career path has gone separate ways and had gone the way that it is, and Jungle Boy can't wait to finally get his hands on MGF and take that World Heavyweight Championship off of him. MGF would take that comment personally, and then he would start making things personal with Jungle Boy, saying that he's a massive disappointment, that he's basically a waste of talent, because this company could have been not only the MGF show, but also the Jungle Boy Jack Perry show, if he just would have listened to him, and that he talked to Jungle Boy's girlfriend, Anna Jay, and that she said Jungle Boy is basically weak in the knees. That comment would make Jungle Boy attack MJF. Those two would get into it. Jungle Boy would get the better of it. He looks to hit MJF with a uh, running forearm to behind the head. MJF would roll out of the ring, and he would walk up the ramp. So we are adding more fuel into the flames of Jungle Boy, MJF, and Darby Allin and Sammy Guevara because during Jungle Boy's match with Matt Hardy, you would see both Darby Allin and Sammy Guevara watching from uh, backstage. So again, this is showing that we're probably going to get a four pillars Fatal 4-Way at Double or Nothing for the AEW World Championship, so they're still building it up to that match. Well, the announcement. Uh, after this, we get a trios matchup of Dalton Castle and the boys going against the Blackpool Combat Club's John Moxley, Willie Uta, and Claudio Castagnoli. The Blackpool Combat Club would attack Dalton and the boys as they were making their way towards the ring, and once they do that, you'll see Claudio throw one of the boys into the ring, the referee ring the bell. Claudio would absolutely demolish that kid and he will win the match by hitting a Ricola bomb for the win. So Blackpool Comic Club was on a tear. They're showing everybody they're more vicious. They're more violent than ever. So that was their whole thing right here. And also, this wouldn't be the last time we would see Blackpool Comic Clubs uh, being violent. Because we would go backstage. We see Hangman Page uh, talking with Tony Schiavone. Don Callis would walk up to him. He would try to apologize for the action what he did last week by fainting and making it seem like uh, Hangman pushed him in the ring last week, so he tries to extend his hand out for Heyman to shake it. Heyman would be hesitant, but as soon as he's about to shake it, Blackpool Combat Club would attack Heyman from behind. Don Callis would watch all this happening. Don would still have his hand out. Blackpool Combat Club looks over at Don. They attack, well, Moxley attacks Don. He forearms him, and this would take Don out and actually make Don Callis actually bleed from the forehead. Now, it's up to Kenny Omega's match. He has a match with Jeff Cobb for the IWGP United States Championship. Uh, before the match would come about, Tony Schiavone would go over to Kenny as he's getting himself warmed up, and he would tell him that Don Callis and Heyman Page were attacked by Blackpool Combat Club. Kenny would look like he was affected by this, but he would have to refocus because his match with Jeff Cobb is next. So, Kenny would tell Tony to move out of the way, and he's off to his match. Kenny will win his match against Jeff Cobb by pinfall by hitting two V-triggers and a one-winged angel for the win. Solid match for Kenny and Jeff Cobb. This match was different from the match that he had with Vikingo last week. Last week was another fast-paced, springboard-type action from Vikingo onto Kenny. And this match was another but a power game-type maneuver from Jeff Cobb to Kenny. And same thing with Kenny to Cobb, because... Uh, Kenny tried to lift Jeff Cobb, but he was kind of injured up. You can see that he has some type of uh, bandage on his ribs. But Kenny was actually able to muster up uh, Cobb for the one-wing angel to end it all at the end of the matchup here. 
Now, after the match, Blackpool Comic Club will come down to the ring and they will surround the ring. And as they're about to get in there, Brian Daniels' music would hit and he would come down to the ring. He would get in the ring and he would tell Blackpool Combat Club to stand down. He would mouth the words to them, what are you guys doing? And he would go over to Kenny and help Kenny up. Kenny will be cautious of Brian, but he still would take Brian's help. And you see Willie Yuta get on the ring apron. Kenny would rush over to Yuta, try to attack him, but Yuta would drop down. And once Omega turned around, Brian would hit Kenny with a Buseko knee. So now once Blackpool Comic Club gets in the ring, they stomp out Omega. Brian locks in the LaBelle lock. Security tries to get in there to separate it. Blackpool Comic Club beats up on security. And we have all Blackpool Combat Club members just standing there in hand to hand, arm in the air. They're happy for what they've done to Kenny, and this solidifies them as just being the most dominant faction, violent group faction in AEW right now. Here's one thing that I think people forgot about Brian Danielson. When Brian Danielson comes out to the ring for his entrance, he always comes out of the bad guy side of the entrance uh, stage. He comes out through the left side. The left guys, the left side is for the bad guys, while the good guys come out through the right side of the entrance stage. Brian Danielson, since 2022, January, has always come out from the left side. So that gives people the indication that Brian Danielson is a bad guy. He is not a good guy here. And also, the fans wanted Brian to basically join his Blackpool Combat Club members and beat up on Kenny. Because as soon as he went over to Kenny and extended his hand out, the fans would boo. So, you saw where it was going. You saw how it was delivered. I'm glad that they kept Brian with the Blackpool Combat Club here. And now it just sets up for a four-on-four situation when they finally decide to do it. Because, I don't know if people know this or not, we're coming close up to War Games. Sorry, Blood and Guts. For AEW. So it's going to be a blood and gut situation. I feel with Blackpool Combat Club. And um, the Elite. And for their situation. They need a fifth person. I think the Elite is going to have to find a fifth person. They could insert Adam Cole in it when it's time. But we'll have to see if the Elite does that. But when it's time for Blackpool Combat Club. I don't know who their fifth person might be. If they decide to do a blood and guts match up here i'm just thinking further down the line but right now you do know we're getting blackpool combat club and right now it's all four members going against basically the elite at this moment now back to the action getting away from our nerdiness um after this we have the aew international championship matchup here the butcher going against orange cassidy orange cassidy would retain his championship by pinfall with help from trent and chuck when he came down to the ring and attacked the blade from behind and took his crowbar from him uh, the Butcher will go outside the ring and try to get the best friends, but Trent would hit the Butcher in the gut with the crowbar. Now, once the Butcher got back in the ring, Orange Cassidy would deliver an orange punch and then finish the Butcher off with beach break for the win. And Orange Cassidy is still your international champion here. I don't know who's going to take that title off of Orange Cassidy, to be honest with you. Right now, it's nothing but a toss-up because all of his like opponents so far have been really, really different. You had W. Morrissey, who's a tall uh, guy who's power game. You had Jeff Jarrett, who is a old-school wrestler. You had the Butcher here, 
who, again, is another power wrestler. You can probably give somebody that's a technician to go against Orange Cassidy, and you'll have a great match against him. I mean, I don't know who's going to take the belt of Orange Cassidy, but right now, I'm enjoying seeing Orange Cassidy wrestle against so many different uh, variety of individuals here. So I don't know who's next in line to get a shot at the International Championship, but I can't wait to see who's next. Now, after this, we have Willow Nightingale going against Ruby Soho with the Outcast in Ruby's corner. Ruby would win the match by pinfall, thanks to the Outcast interference when Willow was going for the Dr. Bomb. Soraya would get on the ring apron to distract the referee. This would allow Tony Storm to grab the arms of Ruby. Willow would drop Ruby and look at Tony. This would allow Ruby to roll Willow up and place her feet on the ropes, and Tony would hold Ruby's feet for the win as the referee counts the pinfall. Now, after the match, the Outcast would attack Willow until Riho and Sky Blue would run down to the ring to make the save, but Ruby and the Outcast would continue to beat up on Riho and Sky. And as it seems they're about to spray paint Riho, Jamie Hayter would run down to the ring and clear the ring of the Outcast. Jamie would help Riho get to her feet, and then you would see Riho and Jamie just stare at one another as they are getting themselves prepared for their Women's Championship match against each other next week on Dynamite. Now, it's off to the main event. Adam Cole's return match and his opponent is Daniel Garcia. Adam Cole would win the match by pinfall by hitting Panama Sunrise and then delivering the boom for the win. This was a good match for Adam Cole and Daniel Garcia. You saw throughout the match they took care of each other. Even when Daniel Garcia would hit uh, Adam Cole with two pile drivers in the positioning of him doing it, you can see how he was protecting Adam Cole's necks in both situations. And you saw even when Adam Cole delivered his own style of a neck breaker, he would protect Dale Garcia's neck by holding his head to make sure he wouldn't land on it. So I like that AEW allows their wrestlers to perform these styles of moves with the protection that's necessary because you don't want to baby the wrestler to the point that when they are back and they make their comeback, that you got to play it safe with them. Yes, you do play it safe with them, but you don't try to overly play it safe because when they finally take a like a extreme dangerous move, they want to know how to uh, handle it. With a power driver, there's always rooms for error, but seeing that Adam Cole took not one but two of them throughout that match, it proves that Adam Cole is ready to get fully back and ingratiate himself back into full action here. And I think Daniel Garcia was the right opponent Last week when the match was made, I didn't know how they would gel, but they actually gelled pretty nicely. So I'm glad to see uh, Adam Cole take that type of uh, punishment, if you will. And it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing because, again, that re-ingratiates himself and it gets his body actively back into the ring, something that he desperately uh, wanted as he was gone for nine months. So Adam Cole will get the win here. Uh, Britt Baker will come down to the ring. She will hug Adam. Uh, AEW will pop confetti so that tells you how much stock they have in adam cole here and how much this is a feel-good story for adam cole to be back and as adam cole is celebrating chris jericho music would hit and he will walk down to the ring he would go over to daniel garcia make sure he's okay and take daniel garcia out of the ring and then chris jericho will slowly look over his shoulder and slightly look at adam cole and he will stop and pause for a minute and then he would just walk up the ramp with daniel garcia and once Chris and Daniel Garcia is up on the entrance stage, 
Chris would stop again and do the exact same movement and turn over, look at the ring slowly, and he would just stare at him for a brief second, and then he would walk to the wars to back. So this is setting up a program with Chris Jericho and Adam Cole. And again, Chris Jericho, he's a vet. He knows how to take care of people in the ring. He's been doing it for, God, three decades now. So him being the program that Adam Cole has immediately after he comes back from being injured, I have no problem with this because, as I said before, Chris Jericho is a vet. He knows what he's doing. And Adam Cole, I can see him using this as a stepping stone for him to get back into that main event picture, which desperately needs Adam Cole, in my personal opinion. But with that being said, that's your AEW Dynamite Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now, usually after Dynamite, I will be talking about Impact Wrestling, but there is no Impact Wrestling uh, moments to mention to you guys this week because Impact Wrestling this week was a clip and never before uh, seen matches show. They used these matches to hype up the Multiverse of Madness uh, show that happened on Fight TV. I did not watch it. I heard good things about it, but... Yeah, there is no Impact Wrestling like news to bring about you. The only thing that really came about from that Multiverse of Madness show was the Fatal 4-Way Knockouts matchup there where the winner will be going against Jordan Grace at Rebellion for the Knockouts Championship. And the winner of the Fatal 4-Way matchup was Deanna Perrazzo. So Deanna Perrazzo will be going against Jordan Grace at Rebellion for the Knockouts Championship. And if Mickey James is clear to wrestle by that time, it will turn into a triple threat match for the Knockouts Championship. Now, with that out of the way, let me go off to SmackDown. SmackDown would open up with the Usos coming down to the ring, and before they talk about their match at WrestleMania, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens will make their way to the ring. Now, both teams are in the ring. This will be their final showdown before their match at Mania. Kevin Owens would reminisce about coming into WWE and saying that the two guys that made him feel at home in WWE were the Usos. He would say that it feels bittersweet to take the tag team titles away from the Usos, but it must be done as revenge for trying to end his career at the Royal Rumble. Now, things would take a turn when Jay and Sammy would talk to each other. Sammy would mention that he had loyalty to the bloodline until they turned on him and that Roman doesn't have any loyalty towards them. And he would say that Roman especially doesn't have loyalty to Jay. And you could see at that moment when Sammy said that, Jay would start flashing back the trauma that Roman has given him for the past three years. So you can see it written all over his face. Jay would hit back by saying that at WrestleMania, they're going to do what they always do. The Usos are going to retain the tag team championships. And Kevin Owens is going to stab Sami Zayn in the back when they fail to win the big one. Now, once the Usos were done talking and they would leave the ring and walk up the ramp, you would see Kevin Owens looking at the Usos and Sammy would just look at the WrestleMania sign, and he wouldn't stand next to Kevin Owens. As you could tell in that moment, that message from Jay about Kevin Owens backstabbing Sammy, it resonates with Sammy because that usually what happens. Kevin Owens usually is the one to backstab Sammy, so at that moment, you could see Sammy is thinking about what Jay just said. So that creates doubt in both teams. You see doubt that Jay has about... Basically, this Roman has loyalty towards the Usos. That's going to play a part into their match at WrestleMania. And with Sammy thinking about is Kevin Owens going to turn on him. So with the showdown that Sammy and Kevin Owens had with the Usos, this creates doubts in both teams as they go into their biggest match at WrestleMania. 
Now, after this, we get a fatal four-way matchup here. Montez Ford going against Ricochet, going against Chad Gable, going against Eric of the Viking Raiders. Ricochet would win the match by pinfall, when Montez Ford would hit Chad Gable with the frog splash, then bounce off of Gable. Ricochet would come off the top rope with a shooting star press onto Gable and cover him for the win. Fatal four-way match, it was all right. It was good. It was basically to hype up everybody for uh, the fatal four-way tag match that's going to happen at WrestleMania. So it is what it is. After this, we have the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. Bobby Lashley will win the Battle Royal by eliminating Bronson Reed. The last three guys in that Battle Royal were Braun Strowman, Bronson Reed, and Bobby Lashley. For Bobby to win this is a great consolation prize since he doesn't have a match at WrestleMania. At first, it was supposed to be him going against uh, Bray Wyatt. But again, we have no idea what happened to Bray. We just kind of know that they stopped advertising said match. So... I don't know what's going on there. We're just going to have to wait and see. We might get a surprise appearance from Bray at WrestleMania. Who knows? But for them to stop advertising the match and stop with the storyline of it, it was good to see Bobby at least get this under his belt since he doesn't have a Mania match. Now, after this, we get another fatal four-way matchup. It's the women's turn. Is Raquel Rodriguez going against Shayna Baszler, going against Sonya Deville, Going against Natalia, Raquel would win the match by pinfall by nailing the Tejano bomb on Sonya Deville. And again, this is another way for her to gain momentum as her and Liv go into their fatal four-way tag match at WrestleMania. Now, after this, we get a tag team matchup of Drew McIntyre and Sheamus going against Imperium. Sheamus would get the win for his team when he would hit Giovanni Vinci with a bro kick, and Drew McIntyre would hit Ludwig Kaiser with a Claymore kick. Now. Since that's done with, you will see Drew and Sheamus stare at one another. Gunther was watching backstage on the, well, screen. And again, more motivation for Gunther to try to beat Sheamus and Drew as they are on their way to WrestleMania. Now, after this, we get the main event segment, the final face-off between Cody and Roman, at least as we were supposed to get. And I'm going to elaborate on that in a minute. Cody would come out here. He'll get the fanfare, the love from the crowd. He'll talk up the crowd even give him a little Tupac California love. Um, Cody would talk about everyone thinking they are the guy until the guy shows up, and Cody would say he is the guy. And at WrestleMania, he's going to become the new head of the table when he takes the championships off of Roman Reigns. So now Roman would come down here with Paul. Roman would tell Cody to acknowledge him, then lift up the WWE Championship, and that's it. That's all that happens on SmackDown in the last preparation, the last confrontation between Roman and Cody. Literally, as they're, what, two days away from uh, their main event showdown on WrestleMania when they had this little showdown on SmackDown. That's all you get. I understand there were not going to be no type of uh, pull apart, no none of that, because, again, you try to preserve that uh, magical touch whenever they actually do fight and brawl with each other until mania i get it however for cody to come out here do his little prep prep hurrah and roman to just come out here and tell cody to acknowledge him i feel that wasn't enough especially when you think about all the weeks that cody and roman actually did have with each other in the ring and they would just start sending insults towards one another i feel that this last one should have been something of that magnitude like they had for the previous weeks but hey it is what it is we're going to get the match of Mania, so that's all I can say about that. I just wish they would at least would have gotten that last showdown, at least more uh, flair between the two, but hey, as I said, it is what it is. 
But with that, that is your uh, SmackDown Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now we're off to AEW Rampage. First matchup will be Sammy Guevara with Ty Mello in his corner. Going against Kenosuke Takeshita. Sammy would win the match by pinfall thanks to Ty Mello. When Takeshita was waiting for Sammy to get up, Ty would hold Takeshita's leg. This would allow Sammy to hit Takeshita with a running high knee to the face, then finish him with the GTH for the win. Now, after the match, you will see Darby Allen and Jungle Boy looking at their respective screens, looking at Sammy Guevara in the middle of the ring. And again, we're still building up and we're still trying to get the fans uh, interested into the Fatal 4-Way match that's going to happen at Double or Nothing. Again, it has not been announced, but we all can see it's leading towards that with Darby, Sammy, uh, Jungle Boy, MJF for the AEW World Championship at Double or Nothing. They haven't announced it because, again, that event's in May. So they still got, well, technically, they only got this month to build it up. So hopefully they start hurry up and getting more uh, things involved with all four of these guys. But time will tell, but that's what we're building up towards to here. Now, after this, we get the Kings of the Black Throne with Julia Hart, which are Malachi Black and Brody King, going against the best friends who are Trent Beretta and Chuck Taylor. This match would end in a no contest when Brody was fighting Trent Beretta outside of the ring and Chuck would try to make the safe, but Brody would powerbomb Chuck through the timeskeeper table. Trent would then hit Brody in the back with a chair and this would have the referee call for the bell. Malachi would then hit Trent with a spinning roundhouse kick. Brody would grab Chuck, throw him in the ring, and as Malachi and Brody are about to hit Dante's Inferno on Chuck, Orange Cassidy's music would hit. They would look at the stage and see Orange Cassidy on the stage. Buddy Matthews would come down to make sure Orange couldn't interfere when Orange would go for the Superman punch. Buddy would hold up his trio's championship, and Orange would hit said championship. Buddy would then nail Orange Cassidy with a bicycle knee to the face, and then you would see Malachi and Brody going back to hitting Dante's Inferno on Chuck Taylor. Now, after this, it was announced that on Dynamite, the next episode, it will be a trio championship matchup of the House of Black going against the best friends with Orange Cassidy. So this was their way to uh, at least prep up people to get invested into that match. Now, after this, we have Marina Shafir going against Taya Valkyrie. You would see Jay Cargill, Mark Sterling, his legal uh, server, and Layla Gray being on the entrance ramp as they watch Taya's match here. Ty would win the match by pinfall by nailing Road to Valhalla, or better known as Jaded, on Marina Shafir for the win. After the match, Jade would have Mark Sterling send his legal processor down to the ring to serve Ty Valkyrie some legal papers. So Ty would take the papers, and she would hit the legal processor with the Road to Valhalla. Jade would get upset by this. She would try to run down to the ring, but Mark Sterling and Layla Gray would hold Jade to make sure she doesn't get in the ring with Ty Valkyrie. We're building up for Ty Valkyrie going against Jade. Again, solid. I'm cool with that because both of these females use that finishing move. And in this feud that both of these ladies are in right now, Taya and Jade, they're basically trying to see who has a more deadlier version of said move, who performs it more powerful. So that's where the story of this feud comes from. The TBS Championship is just a added bonus to this. So when they finally have their match with each other, uh, we're going to see how it goes. Now off to the main event. We have Action Andretti going against Rock Hard Juice Robinson. Juice Robinson would win the match by pinfall by hitting Juice's Loose, which is a face forward face driver for the win. 
Now, after the match, uh, Juice Robinson would grab Action Andretti, and he would mock Ricky Starks by hitting the pose, and he was looking to hit the Rochambeau, but Ricky Starks' music would hit, and Ricky would run down to the ring, uh, sending Juice Robinson out of the ring. You would see Juice running away from Ricky as Ricky chases him, and that's how Rampage ends, as that is setting up for their match that they're going to have on Dynamite, Juice Robinson going against Ricky Starks. So, now with that all out of the way, that is your AEW Rampage Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now, before I get you guys out of here, since tonight is NXT Stand and Deliver and Night 1 of WrestleMania and tomorrow's Night 2 of WrestleMania, I think I need to give you guys my predictions. So, let's start off with NXT Stand and Deliver. For the unsanctioned match, Johnny Gargano versus Grayson Waller. I think Grayson Waller should win this. He's an NXT guy. Johnny Gargano's on the main roster. Johnny does not need to win this. Grayson Waller needs a big win under his belt. So him beating Johnny Gargano here, I think that would uh, increase his stock. Now, after this, the ladder match for the NXT Women's Championship, Roxanne Perez, Zoe Starks, Gigi Dolan, Tiffany Stratton, Lyra Valkyria, Indy Hartwell. Since Roxanne just got put back into the match, technically, and I knew that she was going to be in the match because when people look at Shawn Michaels' tweet, he did not say we're going to crown a new champion. He said we might. So there was always that air of caution of Roxanne Perez being back in the match, which I knew they were going to do it. Um, Do I see Roxanne losing? Ugh. You know what? I thought they were going to go with Tiffany Stratton. I don't know if they don't see something with her or not yet. Uh, You know, mm, this is a hard one. My gut is telling me to stick with Roxanne and you'll be fine. But my brain is saying, mm, go for Tiffany. So you know what? I'm going with my heart here. I'm going with Roxanne Perez. Just keeping on that. Uh, after this, the Tag Team Championship for the NXT Women's Tag Team Championship. Fallon and Kiana going against uh, Alba Fire and Isla Dawn. I think Fallon and Kiana are going to win because they still have a story to tell with that. And Alba and Isla Dawn, they get more tag team chemistry underneath their belt. But for a storyline... Uh, situation. I think Fallon and Kiana need to retain their tag titles personally, and I think after their match, I think something big is going to happen with Kiana, Briggs, Brooks, and Fallon. A new guy might come in and say that Kiana is his chick because that's something that she's been hiding from uh, Brooks. So I can see that kind of being the next twist that they have here. I see the dysfunctional uh, team, see how they continue to hold on to their tag titles even with this dysfunction that Kiana brought about. So I would like to see that they go down, but I wouldn't be mad if they uh, gave it to Alba Fire and Aladon. As long as they still keep on with the Fallon and Kiana storyline, that's all I really care about, to be honest. I just think that them having the tag team titles just adds a little bit more at stake every time you see them team together. Uh, the Fatal Five Way for the NXT North American Championship, Wesley, Dragon Lee, JD McDonough, Ilya Dragunov, Axiom, Wesley, he's held onto the title since Halloween Havoc. I can see him losing here, but who does he lose it to? I don't see him losing to Axiom. Dragon Lee just came in, but they want to make a big impact with Dragon Lee. I can see them giving it to him. Uh, JD or Ilya, I wouldn't be mad at either of those two guys holding it. To be honest, this match, I wouldn't care who's going to win it. I just want these five guys to put on a banger of a match, and I think they will. But if I had to put some money down or just go with my gut i will say we're gonna go with dragon lee we're gonna start his uh, career off with a big explosive bang and i say we're gonna do it 
and give him the North American Championship here. And I think he'll be the first like Latino guy holding the championship. Uh, my man, Damian Priest, he was a Puerto Rican, if I'm not mistaken. So I think giving it to Dragon Lee would... I think he'll be the first Latino uh, superstar to hold that championship, if I'm not mistaken. But I still see Dragon Lee like winning it. Uh, the tag team titles, the men tag team titles, Triple Threat, Gallus, the Cree Brothers, and Tony D'Angelo and Stax, the family. Gallus just won the tag titles at Vengeance Day, but I can see this being a crowning moment for the family with Tony and Stax. I can see the Cree Brothers being called up to the main roster, if I'm going to be honest with you. So, mm, I'll give it to Tony and Stax. I'll give it to them. Uh, the eight-person mixed tag match, Chase U going against... Schism, the winners, gains control to Chase U University. I see Chase U winning this. I don't see Ava Rain like eating the loss here. I see Joe Gacy probably losing towards someone like uh, Andre Chase or someone like Duke Hudson. That's how I see this thing going, but Chase U getting the win. Now main event time. Braun Breaker, Carmelo Hayes for the NXT Championship. This match should be amazing between both of the guys that are unstoppable forces in NXT. But it's the crowning achieving moment time. It's time to hand Carmelo Hayes his crown. It's time to give him the NXT championship and allow him to have the ball, be the actual V-man, be him in all capital letters in NXT and give him what is rightfully his, the championship, and allow Braun to go off to the main roster because he's going to the main roster. That's happening. I see him losing this, him giving the championship both to Carmelo Hayes. They shake hands. And that's about it. Carmelo's winning. And if that's not going to happen at Stand and Deliver, I don't know why. I think you're going to have a big uh, group of people being outraged. Not just people on online, but people actually there. Because people want to see Carmelo Hayes become the guy for NXT. So if they don't give it to Carmelo Hayes on that night, I don't know what they're doing. But I think they're going to be doing the right thing. I think they're going to do business right. And Carmelo Hayes is going to come out with the championship. Now, off to WrestleMania night one. Austin Theory versus John Cena. That match is clearly number one. They already said that's going to start off WrestleMania. Uh, Again, this is a toss-up. Theory and John, because it could go either way here. We can start off WrestleMania with John Cena winning, and ta-da, we can do that. Or we can start off with Austin Theory beating his childhood hero, John Cena. Mm, You know what? Give it to Cena just for the Raw After Mania pop. Just for him to say, hey, I'm going to do a Raw... Uh, open challenge for the United States Championship. Whoever wants to come out here, come and face me, blah, blah, blah. And then we could have Braun Breaker be the first guy, pop in, bang on John Cena to win the United States Championship. And there you go. I'll see it be put, like pushed that way if we want to do something. But yeah, have John Cena win this and him literally lose it on the Monday Night Raw in a like surprise guest appearance or surprise debut appearance on the main roster from somebody. That's the way I would have it. But I'm not mad if they give it to Austin Theory here either. But I would rather go with my plan. John Cena. Seth Rollins versus Logan Paul. These two guys are going to have a good match up here. Seth Rollins is going to guide Logan to a great match. And Seth Rollins should win this. And by next year, he should be in the main event of WrestleMania. Do that for Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins has deserved it. He deserves it. He's been carrying the company on his back for a couple years now. Do it. Now, after this six-woman tag match, Trish Stratus, Lita, Becky going against Damage Control. Damage Control needs this win for the love of God. 
damage control, and I mean Bailey, I mean Dakota, I mean EO, they need a big old win. And this one is big. It's on the biggest stage of them all, WrestleMania. Damage control, they haven't, like, done anything of significance since they've been a stable. They need this win. And if they don't win, just disband them and call it quits. Because damage control has not been hitting the factors that they need to be. Yes, Dakota and EO, they have been... Uh, Tag champions, congratulations, hurrah. But Bailey, as the leader, she has not been a world champion, and I find that a complete problem. Whenever you have a stable that's literally centered around one person with two people that she's supposed to help gain them some type of championships, which she has, Bailey's supposed to be the fixture of damage control with the world title. She has not held that world title at all while she's in damage control. So I think Damage Control has been a big flop, if I'm going to be completely honest with you. If they do not win this match at Mania, just hurry up and disband it. But I'm going off and say Damage Control here. Uh, the Fatal 4-Way for the men's, Braun, Ricochet, Street Profits, Alpha Academy, Viking Raiders. You know what? Mm, give it to the Street Profits. They are a tag team through and through. Alpha Academy are a tag team through and through. Viking Raiders are a tag team through and through. But the Street Profits need something. Because again, they're another team that they were on the rise in 2022. They had matches with the Usos. They were being dominant on singles matches. I mean, they were doing what they needed to do and they have nothing to show for it here. So give them this win at WrestleMania. Rey Mysterio versus Dominic Mysterio. The match that everybody's going to be going insane about. I think Dom should win this. Ray, he's already a Hall of Famer now. He's had a, a legacy of a career. I mean, my man is the man. He's the top guy in Lucha Libre. He's the top guy in just professional wrestling. Whenever you think of Hispanic, Mexican wrestlers, you think of Eddie Guerrero, you think of uh, Rey Mysterio. Those are like the first two top guys, at least people over here in America are going to think. So what more does Ray need to do here? I think he'll be happy to do the honors for his kid and allow his kid to beat him at WrestleMania. So Dominic is going to win this, but I want Ray to tag Dom a little bit at WrestleMania. I ain't going to lie to you. Just because Dominic has been speaking foul to Ray for months and months and months. And the character Ray Mysterio needs to tag his son up a couple just so he can understand his place. That's all I'm saying. But still have Dom beat Ray. Charlotte versus Rhea for the Spider Women's Championship. Have Rhea gain her win back over Charlotte in front of people. And we can have Rhea be the SmackDown Women's Champion. And she can talk her crap toward Charlotte whenever they have the rematch. And Rhea can add this onto her list of saying, hey, you beat me in front of nobody, literally nobody at the Performance Center, while I beat you in front of fans. She can add that onto her trash talking list. And I just would like to see how that will go about. But Rhea Ripley wins the SmackDown Women's Championship here. I would like to see that. And to self-professed crowd main event, the Usos going against Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn for the Unified Tag Team Championships. We all know what should happen. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn should win the tag team titles. Do I think it's going to happen? Yes. I think, as everybody already knows, the Usos losing is going to be the downfall of the bloodline. As soon as that happens, I think we should get a shot of Roman Reigns in the bag just flipping his top and that kind of sets the course for Roman's night of WrestleMania 2. We get backstage moments of the Usos trying to talk to Roman. Roman sends Paul out there to talk to the Usos, saying he doesn't want to speak to them. And 
we can just go off to that tonight too with Roman basically just flipping his lid. Now, off to night two, Intercontinental Championship match, triple threat, Gunther, Sheamus, Drew. I want Gunther to hold on to the Intercontinental Championship because he's had a reign so far that nobody has seen in this current era. They say he's held it longer than anybody so far right now of this 21st century. And uh, I'm happy to see Gunther have this. We all thought this was going to be the death of him when they changed his name from Walter to Gunther and they changed his entrance theme. but the same presentation is still the same. Walter is still Gunther. Gunther is still Walter. The same person, the same character, the same everything. The only thing they changed about was literally his name and music, and we thought that was going to be the end, but he's persevered. He's still been the same person, and he's still been that dominant champion. So I would like to see Gunther still retain his Intercontinental Championship here against Sheamus and Drew. Edge versus Demon Finn Balor at Hell in a Cell. Give Edge this. Since technically this is his last WrestleMania that he's going to be ever a part of, give it to him. Allow him to go out on top. I feel that legends need to go out on top. They don't always have to lose every time. I said that for Edge here. Ray versus Dominic is a different uh, situation because, again, Ray's a legend and he's losing to his son. A father losing to his son, I think that's the greatest thing that Ray would want to do for his kid. So. Like I said, Ray's the exception to this situation since he is going against his son. But any other time when a legend of Edge Caliber that's going to retire, he's already said that he wants to retire in 2023. He's already said this. He's on a limited time. Why have him lose at WrestleMania? Don't do that. Have him win against Finn Balor, call it quits, and then he can go about his business on Raw and take care of whatever you got to do for months leading up to him retiring. Have Finn lose this. Have him get more nasty or more grimier with the Judgment Day and just become a more uh, nastier heel. That's all you got to do with Finn. It doesn't mean he loses, loses like all total. He actually just gets to be a more nastier, meaner person. That's it. So Edge wins this. There you go. Women's Showcase for the Fatal 4-Way Tag Matchup. Liv Morgan and Raquel going against Shayna Baszler and uh, Ronda Rousey. Going against Shotzi and Natalya. Going against Chelsea Green and Sonya Deville. You know what? Liv and Raquel, give it to them. I said what I said. Liv, she was already the SmackDown Women's Champion, and also she won the Money in the Bank in 2022. Raquel Rodriguez, she was the one of the fastest rising uh, NXT stars that came up from NXT to the main roster in 2022. And you see that they've been trying to get Raquel up there. They've been pushing her for some time now. Uh, give Liv and Raquel this and allow Raquel to be on the rocket ship for Raquel to go against Rhea Ripley for the SmackDown Women's Championship. That's the way you could do it here. After this, uh, the Raw Women's Championship, Bianca Belair, Asuka. Allow Bianca to retain the championship. Bianca needs to retain. Asuka could be the nasty, dirty, violent person that she is in the matchup here, but Bianca needs to win this. She needs to hold on, allow her to retain an undefeated streak at WrestleMania. Allow her to have that. Bianca deserves it. She's been holding down the Raw Women's Division for all of 2022. She's been holding it down since she's been on the main roster. Bianca has been that chick, and I believe she is one of the top chicks on the WWE main roster that actually could go into Hollywood and do something else and carry WWE on her back if she does it. So give Bianca Belair her night allow her to still re, uh, retain the Raw Women's Championship against Asuka. And again, the same thing with 
I say with Finn, do the same thing with Asuka. Have her be nasty and violent after she loses. It doesn't mean that she technically loses all the way. It's just that she just gets to add another element to her character. That's it. So have Asuka lose here, but just get more nastier and meaner and grimier. Next time we see Asuka, probably the next night after Mania, she interrupts Bianca or just goes on a complete tear on Monday Night Raw. That's all you got to do. Uh, Brock versus Omos. Give it to Omos. Brock, again, legend. Cool. He's done everything. Uh, I don't think Brock needs to win against Omos. Omos, he's one of the guys that WWE's trying to do something with. I think Omos isn't going to be a uh, WWE champion. He can't move like that. And there's only so much movement you can do with a big man as Omos. So for him to go against Brock here, uh, it's a spectacle matchup here, but Omos needs to win this. And as I said before, there's exceptions to the rules with Legends. Brock and Ray are the exceptions to this rule. I know it's such a cherry-picking type of situation. Even as I'm saying it, I can see the flaws in my uh, logic. But, hey, it is what it is. Everybody cherry-picks. I'm cherry-picking. Omos needs to beat Brock Lesnar here. Now off to the main event. Roman Reigns, Cody Rhodes, Undisputed WWE Universal Championship. This one, it originally was so easy and so clear. I wanted Cody to win and finish the story. So easy, so clear. But I am a person, and I am just like everyone else. My mind starts going off since people have talked about how Roman is close to the 1,000-day uh, mark of being champion. Do WWE care about that? Do they want to make him a champion that has held on to a championship for 1,000 days? That's something that has been making me real curious. Are they going to not pull the trigger here at WrestleMania and have Roman just get nuclear heat and get people just completely booing him the next night he shows up on Raw or the next time he shows up? I don't know. I don't know what they want to do with that if they don't give Cody the win here. But I'm still going to go with it. Give Cody the win. Allow him to uh, win the match up here. Allow him to become a world champion. Become the legitimate top guy of WWE as a champion, and I want to see Roman go on a downward spiral. And I mean by that like this. Have him just start flipping out, destroying WrestleMania, just like the freaking ring, and start destroying the commentary table. Have it just be like 10 minutes of Roman just destroying things. The Usos trying to come out there to talk the Roman down. Uh, Roman isn't trying to hear that. He ends up almost clocking Jay. You see Solo go down there, grab Roman, look at him, stern in the face. Roman and Solo get a nice stare down. And then you see Roman like start walking away by himself. Roman has had a mental breakdown. You know what time it is. Roman goes away. And then we can start building back for, okay, when is Roman going to come back? And how is he going to react? See, that's my thing with that. But I'll get more into that if they do that at WrestleMania. Now, with all that being out of the way, I want you guys to know that WrestleMania is tonight, Stand and Deliver is today, WrestleMania Night 2 is tomorrow night. You guys will be getting a WrestleMania Stand and Deliver and also a ROH Supercard of Honor review on Monday. You'll be getting all those in one episode on Monday. I want you guys to know that, so be prepared for that as well. And also, I do have an episode, as I do every Sunday Tomorrow, I have Sunday episodes where I talk about stuff that happened in the news. You can check that out uh, tomorrow. And if you have not listened to my Wednesday episode, it's called a Midweek Breakdown. I do that every Wednesday. You can go and listen to that. You can go and listen to the light, latest episode that I did. Um, I talk about loyalty, but that's only if you want to do that. 
But now, with all that completely out of the way, I want to thank you guys for listening to Wrestling Highlights of the Week, presented by My Two Cents Podcast, hosted by G2. I have been G2. He is I, and I am him. I love you all. I thank you. Have a great Saturday. Go to Peacock. Watch Dan and Deliver. Watch WrestleMania Night 1 and Night 2 tomorrow. Enjoy yourselves. Go on Twitter. Have fun with it. Interact with the wrestling community. Trust me, they don't bite. They're not trying to be harmful to you. Yes, you got certain people that are loony and stupid, but a lot of people are genuinely nice. If you have no idea about professional wrestling and you tweet something out, a lot of people are actually courteous to you. Believe me, don't believe the hype of people just being nasty on the internet. So, with all that being said, have a great Saturday. I love you guys. And Kanye, could you please take these people home? I'm tired. You tired. Uh-huh. Jesus wept. Uh-huh.